This episode is brought to you by Ahrefs, an all-in-one SEO tool set that gives you what you need to rank your website in Google and get tons of search traffic. And now you can use their webmaster tools for free. Ahrefs has been instrumental for me in increasing traffic to my sites. Over the holidays, I had the best quarter for affiliate income because it showed me my most popular pages and topics, and I was able to optimize and update accordingly. Their webmaster tools are made for small website owners. Connect your website through Google Search Console and get your site audits, backlinks, and keyword data. If you create content, this is a must-have. Gain a following and increase traffic to your site for free. Sign up for Ahrefs at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. YouTube has been a regular topic on this show this year, and for good reason. More people need to build trust and make their business work. And as the second largest search engine, YouTube is a great place to do that. We've talked about it with Jess Friedman. We talked about it last week with Alistair McDermott. And this week, we are talking to marketing coach Nicole Osborne as she tells us why she started her YouTube channel, her process for publishing, and how it's helped her business. Let me tell you, I got a lot of great ideas for this interview that I've already started implementing for my YouTube channel. In Build Something More, we talk about how marketing and web design have changed over the past 20 years. Nicole got into marketing around the same time I got into web design. And so we've seen massive shifts in both of those fields, which we discuss over in Build Something More. Now, I want to thank our sponsors for this episode, Ahrefs, Nexus, and Text Expander. You'll hear about them more later on in the show. You can also find all of the links, notes, and top takeaways over at howibuilt.it slash 258. But for now, let's get into the intro and then the interview. Hey, everybody, and welcome to How I Built It, the podcast that helps small business owners create engaging content that drives sales. Each week, I talk about how you can build good content faster to increase revenue and establish yourself as an authority. I'm your host, Joe Casabona. Now let's get to it. Real quick, before we jump into the interview, we've been talking a lot about content and content planning on this show as of late, and YouTube particularly has been a big topic of conversation. But planning and staying organized with all of this content can be hard. If you're not sure how to plan and lay out your content strategy, I have a free resource available for you over at howibuilt.it slash Airtable. If you go to howibuilt.it slash Airtable, you can get the free content planners built with Airtable that I actually use to plan the content for both this podcast and my YouTube channel. This will help you log ideas, stay organized, and keep your content production moving. It creates a schedule for you with various statuses. It allows you to log ideas and everything that I do and recommend if you're producing a ton of content. Again, you can find that over at howibuilt.it slash Airtable. It is completely free. And if you are planning content, no matter if it's for a podcast, YouTube, or even your blog, this is something that you definitely need. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 258 of How I Built It. I'm really excited. Uh, I have my friend, Nicole Osborne. She is a marketing coach for digital agency owners at Wonderstars. She says Wonderstars, but she's told me that she really likes my accent. Uh, So I'll say Wonderstars once again. Nicole, how are you? Oh, Joe, I am so excited to be here with you. And I've been following How I Built It for a while. So you're actually featuring me as a guest. I'm ecstatic. So thank you. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you for that. I appreciate it. I appreciate you coming on the show. I am a big fan of you too. Your YouTube videos are great. Uh, we recently semi collabed on one, right? Because you uh, you did a video that I will link in the show notes over at howibuilt.it slash 258, um, where uh, you offer advice to agency owners on how to get on other people's podcasts, which is something that I have strong opinions about. Yeah, you know, it was absolutely amazing because 
I messaged you and within an hour you sent me a couple of examples of actually really good pitch so for someone to be invited on a podcast but also a really bad one and it made my whole vlog script so much better Joe. I really really appreciate it and you know you completely nailed it in your blog as well so I link that on my YouTube channel because I think anyone who wants to do anything about podcasts needs to speak to you. <laughs> well yeah thank you and that's um that's like the one I wrote. I obviously like I anonymized everything, right? Because I didn't mm-hmm. want to like out people. Um, but uh, that is really, it's really close to some actual pitches I get where it's <laughs> like, this person is so great and you should have them on your podcast. By the way, they're going to promote everything they've ever done. I'm like, great. I don't, you know, but the good pitches are really good. That's, I get a lot. I mean, I haven't, I've recruited you uh, and several other people for this season, but most of most of the people have come from uh, pitches, either from from agencies mm-hmm. or pitching themselves. So, um, you know, it's not like I'm totally closed off to pitches. I just want to make sure that they understand my goal is to deliver value for the audience. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And it's yeah. the audience, isn't it? And I think particularly in your bad pitch example, that person just really didn't have a clue about your podcast, never listened to it. And really, you just want to encourage people to send better pitches, right? I, I know. I, I really loved it. And it was super helpful. It went down really well with my audience. So thank you for that, Joe. Yeah, absolutely. And and so um, you are, you put out a weekly uh, YouTube video vlog, right? Um, more yeah, or less you know- weekly, right? Yeah, at the moment I'm on uh, bi-weekly. Uh, I just okay. find that more uh, doable because I'm not uh, publishing a vlog to like, be a YouTuber. For me, it's it's really, it's it's a marketing tool. It's a branding tool. And I know we, we talk about this today. So twice a month at the moment suits me really well. Um, doesn't mean I stress out too much because you and I, we both know, you know, it's our job to make content creation look easy. But a lot of work goes into it, right? To, to do it right, to, to really increase brand awareness and, and to get the right leads for your business. So. <laughs> yeah, that's that's exactly right. You know, I did the same thing at the beginning of this year. I decided I was going to move to, I, I keep saying fortnightly because it makes me feel fancy. Mm-hmm. I like that, um, yeah. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I'm every other week is, is something that suits me a lot better. Um, and Alistair McDermott, who's coming up... Um, Oh, uh, I'm like breaking the time vortex a little bit. So mm-hmm. as we record this, he's coming up next week. But as you're listening to this, you heard about him last week, um, uh, where we also talked a little bit about YouTube strategy and how his goal is to to maybe not necessarily be on a schedule, but publish like a handful of high quality videos. Um, he and I debated the merits of that. I'm definitely interested in hearing um, what, what you think, because... You know, the YouTube algorithm favors certain certain things, right? They favor consistency. They mm. favor um, like a clear niche, which is something that I've tried to be better about. But, um, you know, maybe we're putting the cart before the horse a little bit because I, I gave your, your title, but we really haven't talked about who you are or what you do yet. So uh, let's do that and set the stage for what you talk about on your YouTube video. Who are you and what do you do? Oh, thank you, Joe. So I'm Nicole. I'm a marketing coach based in London. I'm actually originally from former Eastern Germany. And I talk about this quite a lot in my content because us Germans, we are really known for being productive and uber organized. <laughs> so I use that in my branding. Yeah. I, sp- I specialize in working with digital agency owners. I've been in marketing now for 21 years and I get so much joy out of working with agency owners directly to really help them attract more of their best fit clients. And when I say best fit clients, I mean the clients who pay well, who support their processes and who essentially are fun to work with. And I think that's really, really important. Now, often agency owners, they have a preference for really relying on referrals for leads. And that's a great strategy and it works in many cases. But it also means that sometimes you have a situation where you either get stuck at a certain price point or you just completely run out of leads. So by working on their marketing, by making them more productive, I help them really get to those best fit clients. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I'll I'll point to um Rochelle Moulton's episode too. She kind of opened up the year and the season um mm-hmm. 
where she talks about kind of building your authority through content for that exact reason, right? So that you're not relying on referrals and so that by the time someone reaches out to you, they've kind of already been sold on your services. Uh, You don't have to go through the sales process and they know if they're a good fit, you know if they're a good fit. So um, I think that's, I didn't realize that you've been in this for for 20 years. I hope it's okay I say this, but it doesn't look like you're old enough to be (laughs) doing this for 20 years. So so kudos. (laughs) You are are my favorite. Yeah. I started working in marketing uh, 21 years ago, fresh out of university. I studied marketing as well, actually. And you know what? It's been so fascinating to see all the changes happening. And actually, that's what I love. Um, working with digital agencies because they constantly face change and they can never stand still. And that kind of suits my uh, personality. But yes, thank you so much for that compliment. I really appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Maybe we could talk about those changes in uh, in Build Something More because I've been a web developer for the same time and mm-hmm. uh, the same sort of changes have happened. As we record this, I, I wrote, uh, um, well, I recorded an episode of my other WordPress podcast called... Um, how can you be a WordPress freelancer in 2022? Mm-hmm. And the land, I mean, WordPress didn't even exist when I started. So like, like the landscape <laughs> changes considerably. So um, maybe we could talk about that a bit in, in, in build something more. You know, impressed. I, I looked at your media page the other night and I absolutely loved it how you bring together all these numbers about how long you've been working in WordPress because you know, you have that expertise and it's not a made up level of expertise. And I think it's really good that you, you, you're so explicit about it. But yeah, how WordPress has changed. I don't think when you studied it, it didn't exist, right? Yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> I mean, that's, ex- yeah, I, I wrote, uh, I hand coded websites. Oh. Uh, and then I said to my friend, this is like my WordPress origin story. I'll just mention this really quick. Um, I said to my friend one time I was working in the, so I started freelancing when I was mm-hmm. 14 or 15. Um, and so by the time I got to college, I was like, you know, I think I'm going to make a way for my clients to like update their own website so I don't have to do it. And uh, my friend Steve Mikosh was like, have you ever heard of WordPress? And I was like, no. But like it was like 2004, like WordPress was barely alive in 2004. <laughs> um, but I, I, I downloaded it and I tried it out and I'm like, this is great. So I, was, I really used it for my clients uh, since then since that point and full-time on all of my projects since 2006 when they rolled out page support. Um, so yeah, it, just big changes. We'll talk, we'll like dive into that and, and build something more because I think that's a really good conversation. Um, but so you've been in marketing for 20 years. You love working with agency owners. We met through the, uh, I believe we met, right? Through the GoWP oh, yeah. uh, Digital Agency Owners Facebook group, right? Mm-hmm. Um where I I feel like your niche is a little bit better served than my niche there, but uh, they I it's a, such a great community and great people, and they've been really supportive of I think both of us. Um, yeah. So, uh, and you said that you love working with agency owners because because of the things we just talked about, like the referral, like not not necessarily relying on referrals. Um, well, do you know it's kind of a. <laughs> It's funny because they're so good, really. Agency owners are superb at making their clients look great across their websites, their digital channels, you know, depending on what they work for in a digital agency marketing. But they really struggle with getting their own marketing done. And often, you know, it's a combination between not having any processes in place for outsourcing, not having any processes in place for regular marketing nor regular sales. And I love helping agency owners with that because you make little consistent changes. You know, a good friend of ours, Lee Matthew Jackson, he always says small changes, uh, small achievable actions lead to big change. And it's the same with when you want to change your agency and you really want to grow it to a level where either you make more money, you have more time with your family, you have a better work-life balance, whatever it might be that that you desire. So yeah, it gives me a a lot of... um, job satisfaction because to see people go through that transformation of all of a sudden feeling on top of their time and feeling on top of their clients at least mostly it's it's super enjoyable and I really feel at home with uh, digital agencies because I guess you know when I was a corporate marketeer I used to commission those kind of agencies so I was at the receiving end I had to sort of look at many different proposals I had to look at their website and the one thing which struck me often they all looked too much the same Mm-hmm. And I guess that's why you and I first connected because, you know, we could both see that we, we talk about our personalities and our content. We we make a concerted effort to come across as different and perhaps to stand out in a good way to connect with our ideal clients, right? And agencies, whilst they're great at making their clients do that, they really struggle when it comes to marketing themselves. So I, I see such huge potential for helping them with that and for really helping them to get more satisfying clients, really. 
And I do yeah. that with my Wonderstars coaching program. So I should at least say it on my Wonderstars coaching program. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I, I'll link that in the show notes too. Oh, um, so yeah, absolutely. Um, but you're right, right? It's a situation of uh, kind of the shoemaker's kids don't have shoes, right? That yeah. is that the colloquialism, right? Um, where. Uh, your your website as an agency owner, if you're a web developer, might fall to the wayside because uh, uh, you're too busy working on other clients' websites, right? And I've always made it a habit when I was doing web design full-time of making my personal website my sandbox so that I would learn new Brilliant. tools there and, and kind of keep it up to date that way. Um, but it's hard, right? Um, you need to have those processes in place and sometimes you need help. And you're absolutely right. I, when I was doing web development in higher ed, I learned that like I could make three times more by quitting and then being a consultant for them. Like, um, <laughs> That's a shame, but good opportunity for you, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So when I quit, I was like, hey, if you need me to, uh, to consult a little bit, and I did consult <laughs> with them a little bit. So, um, but so... You have so you work with agency owners. You started your YouTube channel not too long ago, is that right? Ooh, well, I think um, I, I started taking it more seriously not mm. too long ago, perhaps sort of over last year. Uh, prior to that, I, I I think I launched it about 2014, but I didn't really have a plan in place. I had really bad levels of consistency. But as for many people, having the pandemic, you know, many challenges, but also an opportunity at less speaking gigs where I had to travel, so I had really more time. Yeah. Do you know what? I really want to hone into my YouTube channel because, you know, when I look around, there's lots of YouTube channels specializing working with agency owners, but fairly often we're focused on the tech. So, you know, what's the best page builder or should you be updating to this new plugin? And they're huge and brilliant channels. But I really saw there was an opportunity for someone who really specializes in sharing agency growth tips, marketing tips, plus brings on really good agency examples. That's really where I decided I wanted to stand out. I I didn't want to deliver my content in such a serious format because, well, you know me, it doesn't suit me. I I like to have a laugh. Life is too short. And um, I always think when you present an achievable example you know this is how another agency has handled this and this is what you can learn from it it kind of is a bit more achievable and for me I know someone's style might be to completely reach for the moon straight away that that's not me I want you to feel like okay let's just let's just fly from one continent to the next on planet earth let's do that well (laughs) when we travel around the world and then maybe it's an independent planetary system but just take it step by step really (laughs) I think that's such a healthy way to look at it too right because yeah, people, you know, I know I've had teenagers, right, say to me like, "Oh, I want to be a YouTuber mm-hmm. when I grow up." And and that is a a great goal, um but you know, I'll tell them the same thing that I tell most people is you're not going to get rich overnight with it. It's a grind. Um MKBHD, one of the biggest tech channels on YouTube, mm-hmm. started in 2009. YouTube was 4 years old. Uh, so he got in early and he makes um, uh, incredible videos. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's the kind of, it, it looks effortless because so much effort goes into it. And so I think you're taking a good approach. When you start off, um, start slow, see what works best for you. This is the same advice I give to podcasters, right? You're not going to, your first episode is not going to be well, uh, I, the example I usually use is is a- out of favor now. So you're not going to be the next great NPR show, right? In your first episode, <laughs> right? Um, so uh, uh, I think that's a really good approach. Um, right. And also yeah. perhaps, you know, the, the other thing I like to say is kind of, you, we probably all have content creators we really look up to, right? And we forever move in that space where we think, oh my God, that's no way I, ca- I can achieve that. And I can't even allow myself to get started unless I'm that level of perfect. So I always say, you know, pick a content creator you really admire and, and look at their first videos or listen to oh, their I first podcast that. episodes or read their first blogs because <laughs> frankly, that will show you how much of a journey they have undertaken. Now, I purposely left my very first video on YouTube. It's absolutely cringeworthy. I'm promoting a blog of mine at the time I was offering social media uh, services done for you services and I look at it and I really just want to hide away and and, and it's so cringeworthy but then I have one of these low moments and of course I have low moments as well I look back and I say you know Nicole you've done all right you you know you're growing you're learning and I think that's 
the best way of getting started with any medium is allowing yourself to get started and not compare yourself over time and, and demand that level of perfection. And, and Joe, wouldn't you say people are actually really bored of perfection? I think it's the same on YouTube or the podcast. If everything is way too polished, I'm not sure yeah. that's what listeners or viewers really want. They, they want to see the real stuff. So there's lots of room for everyone just getting started. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right, especially because like we've seen the rise of a creator economy now, right? Mm. Where lots of people are making money or trying to make money by connecting with creators. And and I tweeted about this recently because it drives me insane. You have these creators who have done extremely well for themselves mm. and they're just full of platitudes on Twitter. They're like, here's what you do, like just start or the journey or the whatever. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, okay. That's like fortune cookie advice, but like that's not creating isn't easy and you shouldn't sell it as easy. That's snake oil. I mean, that's like, so <laughs> yes. in my, in my courses and in my coaching where I try to help people make money with their podcasts, uh, I say, look, this is going to be hard. You're mm. not going to make money uh, early on, mm. but you don't need downloads when you first, for your first sponsor, you can sign up for an affiliate program and start making some money to offset the costs. And then I've been podcasting for, oh my God, 10 years. <laughs> <I've been laughs> Congratulations. That's a huge achievement. You know. Thank you. Thank you. My current podcast is six or seven years old now, but um, yeah. my first podcast, which is not online, but maybe I will put that first episode up so people can see <laughs> where I started. Um, it was terrible. It was a bad format. We didn't do any research. It was a panel show, which is like with six people, generally bad. Um, unless you have an actual good moderator, which I'm not. Um, so yeah, I, I, I come back to this a lot. You see the Olympic gold medalist standing on the podium. You don't see the years of pain and sacrifice right. and hardship. Right. I, you, you know, you, you're, so, you're so right. I mean, people might look at me nowadays and say, oh, Lita Carl looks really confident on, on camera. She must be a natural. Well, Joe, let me tell you, I am not a natural on camera. I did a lot of um, group coaching, then some one-on-one coaching to really work through my video fees. And they were real. <laughs> you know? So it does, it does take work, right? And, and once you master perhaps your video confidence, then if YouTube, as you said earlier, how do you actually pick the kind of topics your channel has a chance to rank for and to be seen by the right audience it's a massive learning curve and actually it always continues because as of any social media platform you know the algorithm changes so yeah. you have got to keep on on top of it uh so it's a it's a massive learning curve and I, and I think what you said um there's a big shift which takes place when you decide which niche can you serve the best right because then you can really figure out, okay, so what problems are they truly facing? Where do I add value? And how can I actually maximize it myself to, to sell my products or services? Um, but you have to have a plan for that, right? This doesn't happen, as you said. You really have to think this through. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Store Builder from Nexus. When it comes to setting up an e-commerce site, you have a choice between easy but limited or a limitless platform that you need to manage yourself. Until now, Store Builder is e-commerce made easy for everybody. It saves you time and delivers a storefront that lets you get to selling. As someone who set up multiple e-commerce sites, I can tell you that Store Builder has been a much easier experience than anything else. Answer a few questions, add your content, and sell. Store Builder was created and is supported by e-commerce experts at Nexus. Get the speed, security, and support you need when you need it. Are you ready to launch your perfect online store? Head over to howibuilt.it slash storebuilder for a special offer. That's howibuilt.it slash storebuilder. I just kind of put videos up that I thought would be good. And then mm. I, I had a... Yeah. Uh, I had a one hour coaching session with a YouTube expert and he was looking through my channel and he's like, what do you like? What's your value proposition? And I'm like, oh, I do this. And he goes, doesn't say that anywhere on your YouTube channel. He's like, you should make that your banner. Um, and then he's looking through these videos and he's like, you need to do, you need to look at your videos that are public right now and say, if one of these go viral, is that what I'm willing to spend all of my time on with doing these videos? 
And he's like, yeah. if the answer for any of these videos is no, then you need to hide it because this is what YouTube favors, uh, like consistency and, and covering similar topics. And I was like, wow, that's that's a really strong argument for picking a niche, right? So I separated out my podcast content mm. and I put it over on a different channel. And now I'm focusing mostly on WordPress tutorials, but it's still mm. creator focused. So uh, I'm experimenting with a little bit like WordPress, maybe like productivity with the iPhone. Cause like that stuff's generally does really good, but um, it takes some time to figure it out, especially when it comes to like the, the YouTube algorithm part. Right. And I think experimenting is, is, is really worthwhile doing um, because, you know, when you look at your analytics and you figure out what has worked well, how long have you re- retained people? What do they click through next? It's, it's really valuable. Um, you know, funny enough on, on my channel, I was working with a coach at the time and <laughs> persuaded me, Nicole, you've got to do a video on how to name your business. Like, but I'm not a, n- a naming expert for, for a business. And I said, yeah, but come on, do some research, reflect on what you did for your own uh, business. My previous business was uh, Lollipop Social, called Lollipop Social, even though I didn't like lollipops, but you know, it was a name which worked for me really well. Yeah. So I went out and I researched a vlog and I even shared my secret that I didn't like lollipops. And this is the highest performing video on my channel and to this date I'm so surprised by it shocked by it because I didn't even want to pick that topic (laughs) yeah that's the thing right you think like oh this video is gonna kill it and it doesn't and then like this like my most popular video to date is how to set up the a6400 the camera I'm using right now um, oh my goodness (laughs) for beginners right because like you see all the all, all the other tutorials were like Assuming you have some background in photography, so they skip over some like really important parts. And I'm like, I'm not a photographer. I just like tech. So here are the things that that were skipped. And still my most popular video. And the reason I haven't like capitalized on that is because I don't want this to be a hardware channel. That's really expensive. Like I can't get unless unless Sony or Panasonic or Canon or whoever, if you're listening, if you want to send me gear, I will review it all day long. But um, <laughs> you picky by not, now, right? You, you know what yeah. you like by now. And I think, yeah, you know, exactly. So it's, it's it's really important because, particularly your voice on a podcast or how you look and sound on a video, it shows whether you're really into something or not, right? So it's got to yeah. it's got to bring you joy. So you know everything we said about being strategic about your YouTube channel and your content, you need to find something you actually love doing because if if you don't, your energy levels will drop and and no one is going to stay watching that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's but how and funny. like. People, you can people can tell when you're phoning it in, right? This is one of the reasons I dropped from weekly to to biweekly because the grind of getting a new video out and mm. done and proper, um, even with my kind of stri- like s- streamlined process, and we'll get to that <laughs> in a minute, um, was a lot of work, and I would just kind of do stuff, and it wouldn't be very good. And I have an editor too, so like. Mm-hmm. Um, just the the topics weren't very well thought out. It's like, well, I can record this quick, so I'll just do this. Mm-hmm. And you can well, tell. I, well, I, I can never tell watching your videos. I think your <laughs> videos are, are brilliant, honestly. I um, I've got to, I do know what you mean. For me, my biggest weakness, and you can probably tell by talking to me, I, I love talking. And if I wasn't scripting my uh, vlogs, I would just talk way too long on 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 any topic. And I've my German brain also wants me to explain why something is really important. But actually, on YouTube, no one cares about why. It's about the how <laughs> and what results you can get from it. So when I, when I write a script, so I basically write out every single word and I go over it many times, you know, particularly the beginning section because that's really, really important. And then I make sure that I have some open loops in there to, to tempt people to stay on longer. Uh, and, and I have like a lead magnet or something to promote. I make sure that's mentioned as well. So I, I spent probably five hours on a single script, if not more, depending on what it is. Uh, but it's worth it because when I then come to recording day, everything is planned out. You know, I, I just use my usual setup with a camera and everything. And the recording of it is pretty quick. I can then send it to my uh, editor and we have a system worked out in terms of how I suggest what I'd like her to do and also how we review things. Uh, so doing more research up front and getting it right for me really pays off. Even though it is painful, it's probably my least favorite uh, part of the whole YouTube journey is, is the scripting. But I know I, I couldn't do it without it soon. Then I record. I uh, still am the stage where I'm using an iPhone to record. And nice. I have it. Yeah, and it works well for me. And I have a teleprompter app 
So that took some getting used to in the beginning, but it just means that I don't get it quite as wrong, uh, but I always have tons of outtakes and I actually publish those as well because they're quite, well, I think they're quite funny and people always think you get it right the first time, but we don't, right? Sometimes we have to say the same thing all over like 10 times if it's really bad. That's when you know you have to rewrite the script, really. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, Joe is nodding now. Yeah, he does that too. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you know, if... Uh... If if I have like the same for LinkedIn learning, right? Because I script all the videos. Mm-hmm. Uh, they probably have some unsavory sound clips of me where I'm like, like swearing because it's like I've been at it for a bunch of hours and I just want to get it done. Um, but you're, you are super, I mean, spot on about the planning and the scripting. Mm-hmm. Um, perfect example is my current latest YouTube video about how to connect Stripe to LearnDash. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that this was like, I was like, oh, I've connected Stripe a million times. I use LearnDash all the time. This is going to be easy. But they recently changed their API, ah. which I didn't look into before I started recording. And so I ended <laughs> up recording the video three times. Um, oh, and this button wasn't that beforehand. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, I, I'm like, I don't think, uh, I straight up say in the video, I don't think we really need this webhook thing. And it turns out that I did. And I'm like, I tried backpedaling. And then eventually I was like, this is dumb. I know the whole process now. So the third video went a lot smoother. Mm-hmm. Um, and And I was like, you know, if I just choreographed this beforehand, it would have maybe taken the same amount of time, but way less energy. I suppose, but, but you, is, you know, it's so hard to time what you say to what you do on the screen. And, and oh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm trying to do not too many demonstration videos. Um, I usually like, look, this is an H's did really well. Here's a screenshot. Uh, let's scroll yeah. through the homepage. Because it's really hard to time what you're doing. And also when you talk through someone's step-by-step on instructions, how the speed in your head is completely different to what it needs to come out as and to then but you know maybe sometimes you have internet issues and it just takes a long time buffering and you sit there making all these strange noises in your head but you can't really say anything because you are on camera yeah. <laughs> so now I have every respect for you so I think that's a really good point, right? Because I excel at screencasts, right? This is one mm-hmm. of the reasons that LinkedIn Learning has me create so many mm-hmm. courses because I can talk and explain what I'm doing on the screen at the same time. I can talk and write code at the same time. Um, but I can't read from a teleprompter. I've tried mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's just like, I talk too fast. The pacing's wrong. I get frustrated. I'm like, do I really need to say the exact words I wrote? Like I'm good (laughs) at riffing. So um, like kudos to you. I can't, like I've tried and cannot use a teleprompter. So I will, Mm -hmm. I'll pause if I need to take breaks and rephrase things and and edit that way. But man, I like just like setting up, I have a teleprompter and I never use it because it's, it's, it takes me way longer to do that. That's, that's fair enough. Do you know, I find that um, as long as I aim to write exactly as I'm talking and naturally in conversation and I keep sentences short and as long as I write it in my own words and I say this because in the beginning I had my script edited by someone who really specializes in, in YouTube management mm-hmm. and her script sounded amazing. It had my content, but she edited it. But because she would sometimes say things in a way I would never say them. <laughs> I used to just stumble so much over them. I guess, Joe, what helps me is is I I record standing up and I'm I'm quite an energetic person, so that helps me. And with with, uh, my teleprompter, I can just stop it and just redo it again. Uh, It probably took me sort of three to four vlogs to really get into it. And it's probably partially why I'm not upgrading to actually a a camera because I'm so used to filming with my teleprompter up on my phone. (laughs) I don't like yeah. the idea of having to get used to a different system, but I will eventually. But uh, yeah, I'm, I don't find reading so difficult. I guess it's just for scripting. Uh, as you say, word by word, it can be a bit tedious. But funny enough, I also feel that it just gets better every time I edit it a little bit. So it's, I found lately I have to sort of give myself a time limit because, yes, we would all aim for perfect, but then you just never get it done right. And yeah. I try to really say, okay, do this for an hour and maybe I have a timer on if it's something I don't like to do. Do it for another 45 minutes and really work my way through it uh, quite systematically then. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's a really great point. And, and you're right, I do, because I'll script. I have two other podcasts that I do script. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I, I end up riffing anyway. I just, I just can't help it. Um, but I mean, that's okay because I talk fast. So I'll script something and, and my writing app will usually be like, oh yeah, this should take you like 12 minutes to read. And it takes me like eight. Uh, and I was like, I really want this to be like a 10 minute episode at least. <laughs> so I do end up, I do end up riffing. I can't help it. This, we both uh, this is, talk fast, don't we? Yeah. You know, we both yeah, do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so listeners are probably listening to this at like, at, at, 75% of the speed, right? I've tried listening to my own podcast at like one and a half times speed. And I'm like, it's, it's indecipherable what I'm saying. I'm like, I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> but you know, uh, so. I'm also in turn, if someone speaks too slow on their videos, I turn up the speed because I'm like, come on guys. I've got yeah, for 10 sure. minutes for this. That's it. <laughs> Yep. So, yeah, that's exactly right. And the, yeah, there are some, it's it's funny. I listen to a podcast called Advisory Opinions with mm-hmm. Sarah Isger and David French, and um, and they're political commentators, but they're also lawyers, and yeah. so they have a strong law background. That's why I like listening to them. But I listen to their podcast at like one point two five times <laughs> speed, and then like Sarah will go on uh, ABC's Sunday morning political mm-hmm. show. And she just sounds so weird to me because I'm used to listening to her like slightly faster. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, very briefly in the UK, we had to do homeschooling about a year ago. And there was one teacher in my son's class. She was really monotone and rather slow like that. I had her on times two video speed. (laughs) Oh my (laughs) gosh. The only way my son and I could do it. Oh, that's so funny. That's so funny. I'm not feeling proud. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you do what you got to do. You know, I'll do the same thing. I'll listen I'll listen or watch videos at, at that speed. If I don't have to like do exactly what's happening on the screen, then as long as I'm getting the information, right? Yeah. Um, that's why repetition is really important, I think, in, in these mediums too, is, is make the point at the beginning or tee it yeah. up, mention it in the middle, reiterate at the end, because people are probably doing other things, especially with podcasts. Yeah. Um, so, so we've talked a little bit about your process, you script, mm-hmm. you, uh, read from a teleprompter, um, and then you send it off for edit and you have a good process in place for that. Um, that was one of my questions was what app mm-hmm. do you use to edit? But you and I have taken the same route. Um, maybe cause we feel this. I hate editing. I like, <laughs> it's my least favorite thing. So, um, listeners, I am laughing just the way uh, Joe's face just looked when he said this. You know, <laughs> I, I feel I feel the same. And um, I think to be successful with what you do, you have to know quite early on what can you get your teeth into, what can you learn, and where are you much better off outsourcing. And I knew with editing, I, I never wanted to learn it. I, I never really attempted it. I mean, in, in the beginning, it was a huge investment. I guess as I then started to get leads in and, and some sponsorships, it, you know, it was it was better. But um, also with, with working with an editor, you can kind of uh, tap into their creativity, you know, their guidance. My first editor was really amazing at, at giving me confidence building tips and not all at once. You know, you do that so well, Joe, that you bite chunk your tips, right? And for me, I love that. And my editor at the time was, was the same. If he'd given me all his YouTube knowledge, I, I, I would have switched off. I couldn't take it. Yeah. Um, so working with an editor is, is so rewarding. Um, it's fun because you're creative, they're creative, and, you know, you both want the same. You want to create the best vlog or blog or podcast. So no, it's it's a joy, really. Yeah, so outsourcing the bits you can't do early on as soon as you can, really. Yeah, that's uh, I, I edited an episode of this podcast early on. It was with Brian Krogsgaard. We both said mm-hmm. um a lot. And I was like, I need to edit out every um. And first of all, don't do that. Like, it sounds like super unnatural. Right? I just, I, I recommend to my students now, I'm like, don't, Unless it's like a really long um with a really long pause, like keep it in because they'll know it's a human being speaking. But that process was so terrible that I hired an editor for episode four. Like, uh, <laughs> and and I had one for a while and now I'm on my current one, Joel, who's amazing. Uh, so, so worth it. Something that took me literal hours mm-hmm. um, costs me relative, I mean, Joel's like probably really efficient and knows what to look for and things like that. And same thing with my video editor. Mm -hmm. The things that take me hours take them a few minutes because they do it. They probably have shortcuts or macros or whatever in in place. I learned that there's like this foot pedal that allows you to like move forward and backwards in videos. (laughs) 
Wow. So like they're probably never taking their hands off the keyboard or whatever. And it's just really efficient. <laughs> Do you know, I guess the other important thing is when, when you outsource is to have good communication process in place. So I have a, the mother of all Asana boards, which for me yes. on YouTube starts off with doing the keyword research. So what topics uh, could be interesting then figure out, okay, so if that's an interesting topic, uh, what's the SEO behind it? What words do you need to build in? What's the title to use for the description on YouTube? What's the title to use on, on the thumbnail? Then I'll have something in there which says, send your title and your image to your designer. Um, other things would include request uh, your subtitles, you know, schedule it, <laughs> write out the descriptions. Then the whole promotion. So everything is basically like a tick box on this massive Asana board. And it's great because you can see really easy what's coming up next. It really makes sure that you don't forget anything. Um, so I love it. At first, I was a little bit hesitant because it just looked like too, like a too big spreadsheet. But then as I eased mm-hmm. myself into it, I'm like, yeah, this really saves time. And then I added some tasks. We took some off. So no, I would definitely recommend to anyone to have a system in place which keeps you organized as much as possible. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll just, I'll, I'll plug, I have an, um, a free download that is my Airtable yeah, uh, podcast. It. Yeah, I, I, I saw it. you signed up. I'm going to try, <laughs> I'm gonna try it out. You know, I've been hesitant about Airtable, but you said so many good things about it. Noah Britton has, so I've downloaded it and I'm, I'm definitely going to use it, especially now that I know you created it. So I'm like, don't oh, well, create well, this for me. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. So I have the, my podcast planner uh, and my YouTube content planner mm-hmm. in there. That'll be, again, I'll put that on the show notes over at howibuilt.it slash 258. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 uh, it was pretty easy to make an Airtable. I just kind of cloned my actual one and then like scrubbed yeah. all of the data. Um, and now there's like a separate section for it. But I've been looking at ClickUp a little mm-hmm. bit because yeah. I'm working with a, um, multiple people now. And Airtable very frustratingly charges the same amount for each team member. All right. Um, which I mean, I get it because like the uh, I'm giving them access to a whole base, but I would love like a virtual assistant tier where I pay like an extra five bucks for them to access this one single base. Um, And ClickUp is a little bit more affordable, but like, I mean, everything is in Airtable and it's like, it works super well for me. The automations are amazing. So I'd have a hard time, you know, like the extra 20 bucks per user per year is a hard pill to swallow when I pay it all at once. But then I'm like, look at all the time I'm saving. Mm -hmm. Like, you filled out the Calendly form and it went to Airtable and it went to Notion uh, and I didn't have to do anything. And yeah, so. it was amazing. I think you being such a good podcast host, you really make sure that your guests feel very well prepared and, and, and welcome. Um, so Thank just, you. just about your YouTube content plan. Then. So the one yeah. areas I know I need to work on is I used to be really good in terms of planning out three or four topics at the time and then mm-hmm. at least being able to film two vlogs on yeah. a filming day. But lately, I would definitely say since the beginning of this year, I've just kind of lost my being really organized. So I kind of forever am like catching up. Um, so your YouTube uh, planner, is that an Airtable one, which encourages me to get in one go several YouTube topics, research the SEO, set the ties. Oh, excellent. Joe is nodding now for everyone. He's nodding. So we have yeah. got to check it out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. This is like my base. Um we could talk through this real quick and then I want to get to your goals for your YouTube channel because mm-hmm. I know that there are people have different goals. Um, but I have basically a, it's a, I have it laid out as a Kanban board, but the thing I love about Airtable is like, there's a million different views mm-hmm. for it. Um, and so uh, I have an idea section, right? And then I have a, a, a basically a category for the channel. So yeah. I'll have like podcast left off or my personal channel. And then I'll move the ones I want to do next into the next column, which is next up. Yeah. Um, so I can easily look at that, look at the notes. Um, once it's recorded, I move it out. I move it to recorded. And then I put in all my edit notes. Mm-hmm. I move it to out for edit and it automatically emails my editor. Brilliant. With like a Dropbox link and, and the edit notes because he doesn't, he doesn't care to use Airtable. He like prefers email. Yeah. So I'm like, great. Um, it's an Airtable. Wonderful. It goes into out, out for edit. And then I have, this is for both. So the automations aren't going to come with this download, but like one of the reasons I love Airtable is um, I will automatically update the status when a file hits 
uh, Dropbox. Love it. So <laughs> when my editor for both the podcast and YouTube send the video back and put it into the edited folder, the status updates to back from edit. Oh, um, and Joe, isn't it the best feeling when you, so you've recorded your podcast or you've recorded your video, you've done all the editing notes and then it goes off to the editor. And yeah. Like, yes. So, I have a little bit of a break. Yes. I've done yep. my bit. <laughs> and then like, I mean, like I'll scrub through cause I had chapter markers, right? Mm. I think you do the same thing. Yeah. Um, and, and that's when I review the video too. And most of the time I don't have any notes, yeah. right? Because again, we have that, that good back same and forth. Me. My editor is a previous uh, Treehouse course editor, mm-hmm. so I I already knew like the 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 way that I work and the way that he edits would would jive really well, mm-hmm. um, and so yeah, and then I move it into upload, and then my VA gets an email and she'll upload the video for me. Um, and then and it after goes, that, yeah, it goes to the next fix section. I think that's the section many uh, people over overlook. It's it's really good promotion, right? So yeah. sharing it with your email list several times, posting it in relevant Facebook groups, posting it on, on social media, interacting with people, having teasers for what you do. Because literally, I mean, if it's content just out there, no one is watching it, it's worth nothing, right? So you've got to at least have the equal amount between filming, creating, recording, and actually promoting it, right? <laughs> so important. Yeah. And that's that's one place I struggle with. I try to rely on the algorithm too much. I'm using like Tube Buddy to like yeah, A/B test um, thumbnails and things like that. But the promoting it is is probably something I can be a little bit, a lot of bit better at. Um, Do you know about as a yeah. content creator? I don't know about you, but um, when I watched a video of mine several times for signing it off, or I, you know the, the script, I've read it so many times. I get a bit bored for a while. I actually need to have a bit of distance from it to to almost take it in as fresh content again. But so I have to make myself promote it. But then, you know, maybe I haven't seen something for six months and someone says, oh, Nicole, you mentioned so-and-so in your vlog. And I've watched it back. I mean, I'm not blowing my own trumpet. That's really good, Nicole. <laughs> because by then I, I hear it with fresh eyes again. So I think we've got to just give ourselves a bit of credit. It is hard sometimes when you're so in it to to, to be objective enough to then really promote it well and do all of the things we meant to be doing, right? Um, but you know, you yeah. said you said earlier on about how you sort of monetize your YouTube channel. Now, I'm nowhere near at the moment the required watch time, but for me, that's not really what I set out to do. I, I wanted um, people to... So what I do quite often, I, I, I speak at events and right now I'm, I'm uh, preparing for Brighton SEO. And when I, do, when I do a talk, I will always find opportunities to mention my, my YouTube channel or a, a lead magnet, you know, which would be seen hopefully as value. So my aim for my YouTube channel is that someone sees me at an event, they're signed up to a lead magnet, they want to check me out. Do you know, does Nicole actually know any of the things she talks about? <laughs> what would she be like to work with? And uh, often I get it with my leads that when I find out, so how did you find out? You know, oh, we heard you on a podcast. You know, hopefully maybe someone on this podcast will, will hear us. Yeah. Um, and then I checked you out on YouTube and actually that's when I got in touch. So for me, it's a very much a trust building um, exercise. Yes, I'm very passionate about sharing marketing tips and helping agencies grow. But, you know, I'm building a sustainable business. So I need to make sure that I have leads coming in. So getting people on my email list and then hopefully converting them so that they know me by the time they need me, that I'm there being top of mind and all of these things. So for me, really, um, the more my new leads mentioned that they heard me on YouTube, the happy I am. I did also um, last year, have, I had my first uh, sponsorship, which was great. It was nice. with, um, Agora Pulse, a social media scheduler. So really suitable for my audience and for my topics. I am in discussion at the moment about a second thing. Um, nice. see how, how it goes so obviously that that's brilliant right but that's not really why I have my YouTube channel I do generally want to share value and I do want to get in front of the right people for me being agency owners so yeah and, and that's really important that's something that Alistair and I talked about last week um, in his episode right is my channel is monetized yeah um, I put affiliate links mm-hmm. in in those and yes I, I would love to establish my expertise um, through that YouTube channel, but the things I'm showing people how to do are not really things that I'm uh, uh, consulting or coaching mm-hmm. with right now. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of the purpose of the separate uh, podcast liftoff channel, right? Which yeah. I'm still trying to find my way there. Uh, the most popular video is like how to use the 
how to record your podcast on your iPhone with a good mm-hmm. mic. And so that's turning a little bit into a hardware channel. I don't really want that, but people keep sending me microphones to review. So I'm going to, and, and and it's popular content, but I do want to do a little bit more talking, like very similar to your style there, mm-hmm. where I maybe take um, articles I wrote on the blog and turn them into YouTube videos. But I'm still, I'm still trying to find my sea legs for that one. Right. And I, and I guess if it's like the articles which do really well on your website where you can see, oh, you know, this is something which has got a lot of traffic and people have downloaded the leap magnet, then both are probably worth uh, researching on YouTube, how you could use them on YouTube, right? Because it's content that works and you don't have to make it up from scratch. Uh, I, I tend to do it the other way around, actually. I, I pick the topics for YouTube. And while I'm doing that research for YouTube, I also have a look, okay, so what's a good keyword for um for Google, for example, at the moment I'm, I'm filming something on agency uh, growth strategies, like five proven techniques. And the purpose is that I want to promote my new uh, Leap Magnet, which is a ebook with agency growth secrets, which I just put together and I'm excited about nice. it. And I now know that on, on Google, it's it's growth strategies, which is like the word to, to use, the keyword to use. So when I do turn it into a blog, I will I will slightly rejiggle it to, to make that work. But it's so fascinating with SEO, right? I had this, <laughs> the most successful blog on my website is actually, I was going to call it interesting social media posts because I have another mm-hmm. leap magnet, which is for 30 uh, content ideas for digital agencies. And I was going to call it interesting, but actually it's engaging that people um Search for it. And I'm so pleased I did the research because it is like the best performing blog at the moment on my website in terms of traffic and then people going to get elite magnets. So I'm like, oh, I'm glad for once I did the research. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Text Expander. What can you do with more hours? Repetitive typing, little mistakes, searching for answers. They're all taking precious time away from you. With Text Expander, you can take it back and focus on what matters most. In 2021, Text Expander saved me 34 typing hours. That doesn't even include the collective hours I would have spent looking for responses, links, resources, code, and anything else I type regularly. Talk about creating more efficiently. You will never need to copy paste repetitive responses again. With Text Expander, your knowledge will always be at your fingertips with a quick search or abbreviation. Text Expander is available on all platforms and show listeners get 20% off. Take back your time today at textexpander.com slash podcast. How much keyword research do you do for YouTube videos and, oh. and blog posts? So I, um, okay, so like everyone, I started off just filming whatever sprang to mind because I was really overwhelmed mm. by the whole concept of creating a YouTube video. But then I cottoned on that I'd be much better off actually going, I use TubeBuddy like you do, going into TubeBuddy and, and finding out what's something with a high search volume, where do I have a chance for ranking because competition isn't so high. So I tend to go for topics which do well on, on TubeBuddy. I'll also uh, do just a normal search on on, on the actual platform YouTube to see, you know, what topics have come out in the last year, uh, what are the numbers people are getting. And uh, so let's say if it's a channel for like 2,000, 2,000 subscribers and they have a topic on there with, with 10,000 views, then that kind of suggests to you that that could be a good topic to go for, right? Uh, so I do, I do that as well. Um, I am not, um, do you know, I have to be honest with you, it's it's not my strength. So I really have mm. to make myself do it. So I have to see the data. I have to put it into uh, spreadsheets to then to keep looking at it. Um, but, but I think it's a combination of things, right? You use something like TubeBuddy or VidIQ um, and you search on, on Google as well and, and you watch uh, accounts you like and see what, what, what they're ranking for. So I really, um, Joe, I, I can't give you like these other four steps I use, but it's usually I, I think of something or oh, this would excite me. This is a question I got in a, in a, okay, my ideal case scenario is I get a good question in a Facebook group, Facebook group for agency owners. So let, let's say recently I had something in the admin bar. Should I do a YouTube channel or should I do a podcast? So I then went over to TubeBuddy and I researched it and I came up with a title which I could rank for. Um, so I think then at the time I also reached out for you and you also kindly helped about talking about podcasts and I put together the uh, video and it was directly like linked to a question I got in a Facebook group. But even then, you know, just because that one person asked that question doesn't yeah. mean that YouTube thinks it's it's like great content worth showing to everyone. So... <laughs> 
it's, it's really a bit of an experiment. I think as long as you, my advice would be is to find a balance between what you would enjoy filming, what there you can see your audience enjoys, but also what links into what you're trying to sell, you know, if that's why you're having a YouTube channel. Now, if you if you want to be a YouTuber, it's kind of really what 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 audience can you find on YouTube and blow it up, right? For for me, yeah, that's not the goal. My, my my goal is I want to I want steady growth on 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 YouTube. Yes, you know, I want to by the end of this year, let's say, I want to be on two thousand subscribers, and I know that's still a relatively small channel, but do you know what? As long as I have a loyal following and uh, people mention it to me that they've been watching it and I get good reactions. So I usually get quite good engagement. So yes, I like to go to 2000 and I just like to, I'm sure like every content creator, become more and more polished in terms of my processes uh, to avoid more and more any sort of last minute dashes yeah. <laughs> to my networks of friends. Have you got anything good to say about this? Please tell me now. <laughs> See, I'm yep, very happy. I- <laughs> uh, I totally, I totally get that. Especially like I was sick mm-hmm. last week, two weeks ago. And I I really feel like with the the one recent episode, you can tell. I think I explicitly say it, but like it was a little bit rushed because it was one of the more timely episodes I wanted to do. It wasn't one that I had batched because I'm like batched out through the end of yeah. March right now. Um, but this was one I was like, yeah, I'm going to record the week of because... Uh, I wanted to be timely and then I got sick. Uh, and so it was a little bit rushed, but you're, you're, you're absolutely right. So now I'll have like a few in the tank that are like brilliant, timeless, like kind of timeless. Um, but you gotta make, you gotta make time for that. Um, but anyway, I think that's really helpful. I don't do nearly enough keyword research for Mm -hmm. anything. Um, maybe I should do more for, for this podcast too, right? Like I've, I've started titling episodes better. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I actually had my VA go back and update all of the titles for Fantastic. all the previous episodes. Um, but that wasn't really based on research. That was kind of based on what we talked about. So um, another place for me to experiment. Content creation is experimentation. Right? Uh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, that feels like something I should put on a t-shirt. Um, <laughs> yes, please. Please do. Yeah. You, had a, yeah. you did have a chat... Um, I think two episodes down with a lovely lady who also does some t-shirt designs, right? And you were both, you, I think you were saying that you were going to work on YouTube thumbnails. Yes. Yeah, yes. that's exactly right. Yeah. She was um, lovely. It was a great interview. I think definitely mention that again in the um, show notes. I think people find it really helpful. Yeah, this is going to be a really rich uh, show notes. Um, <laughs> you got German on the show. What are you expecting? <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I think it might have been Christine Pittman yeah. uh, or or Jessica Freeman. Either one of the Jessica um, is is doing the kind of thing that we're talking about, right? It was Where she's Jessica, generating yeah. leads. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, Jessica was great. Oh, great episode. Um, you two had such good banter as well. Yeah. So many helpful tips. One of the people who was pitched to me, like the good pitch, good fit. So like great, great yeah. episode. Yeah, absolutely. Um, amazing. Well, the last question I want to ask you, because we've been talking for a very long time, because we both talk a lot and talk quickly, um, is you, you've you continually mentioned lead magnets. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something I'm not super great about, right? I ask for the subscribe. I have the card for my membership. Mm-hmm. And I do say that at the beginning, but I don't perhaps... Uh, a lead magnet would be a better ask, right? Because instead of saying like, hey, if you like this, like sign up for a subscription. Everybody loves those. Maybe getting them onto my mailing list would be better. How how have um, you found the lead magnets? Like, do you find mm-hmm. that your YouTube videos generate leads in that way? So I, um, I just mentioned for the first time my agency growth ebook. Basically, I, I went out, I interviewed... 29 agency owners across four continents to uncover their growth secrets. And I put it together, the 10 best growth secrets. And I had just published it in the first vlog. And mm. around the same time, I've just sent it to a couple of people in my network. And within a week, I had uh, 30 people on wow. the download list. And I think that's yeah. really good considering the that size of my is. channel. Now, obviously, we're not all yeah. from, from uh, YouTube. But... Um, it, it seems to me that the, the trick is really to make it so irresistible that it's an absolute non-brainer. So 
I so often talk about agency growth because I generally really love talking about agency growth. And uh, so I will mention a couple of things. And I always say, if you want more, if you want to order in your inbox, go here and download it and you find the link in the comments. So you really have to push it and push it again. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, so I've got two main lead magnets and they work for growing my list. I guess it's always for trick to find what's the small problem you can solve and give someone a, maybe a big problem, solve a big problem but with a quick win. And yeah. sort of figuring that out. I, I haven't found that easy myself. So my first one is 30 uh, engaging social media post ideas for digital agencies. And because they struggle with ideas, that went down really well. And I have a whole nurturing sequence. And this one is the agency um, growth ebook. So I guess it's about what does your audience really struggle with? Where could you be helpful based on your area of expertise? Because there's got to be something leading into what you're selling, right? Yeah. Because if yeah. it's not, then it's, well, why are you doing it? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. You're just kind of spinning your wheels and, and wasting time. Right. Um, um, yeah. So let me, let me uh, dig at one mm-hmm. more thing. You said find a link in the comments. Do you find, um, we haven't, I haven't mm-hmm. prompted Nicole on this at all. So I, I don't know if this is an answer she has prepared, but um, do you find that a pinned comment works better than like, just like leaving it in the description oh, or do you do both? Do you know what is so funny? So yeah. this is actually the one thing I picked up and by listening to one of your episodes. And oh God, I'm one of the big things. I've got to make a yeah. change. So I'm going to do that because you chatted about that with that lady. And I thought, God, that's such a good yeah. idea because the idea is that everyone feels really shy about leaving comments. So if you put something on there and also make it an easy question, right? So don't dig really deep. Like if I said, oh, what have you found like the biggest struggle in growing your agency over the last 10 years? No one is going to say it. But <laughs> if, you, if you make it easy, right, they're more likely to 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 type something and then the algorithm will see yeah. that it's popular. So yes, it's something I'm going to do actually is doing at the moment I've just pinned a comment from my audience, the one, you know, which comes in quickly and mm-hmm. sounds good. But I think you're right to actually to be proactive and you publish it to go in and pin something like a really easy question or even pinning your lead magnet as the um yeah. that's such a good one. You know, if you want more free tips, here's the link again. So I'm going to do that. So you see, I learn by listening to your staff, you see? <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's so funny. Cause that's, I, after I, I think I recorded with her in November or something like that. And mm-hmm. I started doing, I started doing that uh, after our interview. And that's one of the things that's like on the tube buddy checklist too. Right. It's like, um, or pin at least comment, like, yeah. I don't, yeah, it's just yeah, said pin, pin comment. comment. Yeah. It doesn't say yeah. create your own one or add your lead magnet. Right. Yeah, that's that's, that's like true. You- <laughs> that's a good point. Right. Just sp- yeah. So um, I've been trying to end my videos, right? This yeah. is where scripting would come in handy. I've been trying to end my videos by saying like, what's your favorite learn dash feature or whatever? And then yeah. like, you know, I'll, I pinned a comment, answer or whatever. Um, but yeah, I think like maybe it'll be a good one to punch the question. And then if you want, if you want my answers or if you want my view on this, check out this lead magnet. And I think that, that that's yeah, and, probably super effective. And hook and relate magnet. Hook and relate magnet to find blah. Yeah. If you want to know how, yeah. really hook it in like that. Yeah. Make it like the most irresistible thing to just do next other than watching your yes. next video or, or listening to your next podcast episode. Yeah. Wow. Well, this this feels as much uh, as a good episode and interview as it does a brainstorming session, Woo-hoo. which is awesome. Um, so, but we've been talking for an hour, and I do want to respect your time. I do need to ask you though: Do you have any trade secrets for us? <laughs> so, I would say what works really, really well is before you get so busy with your client work, start being really organized. Have actually three types of accelerator slots in your diary, booked in your diary. So whatever you need to do, treat it like a client project. So have a marketing accelerator slot, a processes accelerator slot, and then a sales accelerator slot. And what I mean by that is like a regular one hour session or 90 minute session in your diary where you know it's the marketing slot. I've got to create some content. Or if it's the sales slot, I've got to write a proposal, chase up that lead. So really be really regular about it because the more organized you are, the more you end up working on your business rather than in your business, which really is the secret source to success and growing, isn't it? To work more in your business. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and time boxing, uh, which mm. is all, all, that's how I will cheekily sum, summarize what you've said here. I love it, time boxing, um, new word for me, yeah. love it. Awesome, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, really important. This is again, something I tell my, my coaching clients to do, right? Like how, you know, how, how are you consistent? I batch episodes, Mm -hmm. right? So every, 
um, you know, it's every Monday mornings and every Wednesday afternoons is when I record episodes. Thursday mornings are generally when I work on getting a bunch of podcast episodes out to my editor that uh-huh. that then my VA schedules. Um, but having that time on my calendar is really important. And I would just say something I'm experimenting with at this moment is time tracking better. Uh-huh. And thanks to uh, Shortcuts, Apple Shortcuts uh, app and the Stream Deck, I can more easily hit timer buttons, right? Because something that I've been really bad about is starting the timers and stopping the timers. Um, <laughs> and so like, for example, I hit the I'm recording button and like my red recording light turns on upstairs so my family knows I'm recording yeah. and my recording timer starts. And so, um, you know, I think that understanding where you spend your time and then making those uh, accelerator slots, I really like that term. That sounds be- like time boxing sounds like you're fighting time. Oh, no, accelerator it's... slots sounds like you are definitely moving your business forward right, I like I, that I came up with a new client of mine we thought we've got to make them sound sexy we've got to sound sexy yeah. otherwise we won't stick to yeah. them <laughs> love it uh, well, Nicole, this has been an absolute pleasure. It's always fantastic talking to you. If people want to learn more about you, where can they find you? Oh, Joe, thanks for having me. Best place is my website, www.wunderstars.com. You will find all my vlogs on there, linked to YouTube, all my other social platforms. So come to my website. I can't wait to see you there. And also my agency growth ebook, which is so amazing. You really want to know how to grow your business. Get that free ebook. <laughs> Yes. Awesome. I will link to all of that and everything we talked about in the show notes over at howibuilt.it slash 258. Nicole, thanks so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Sharon. Cheers. And thank you to our sponsors, Ahrefs, Nexus, and Text Expander. If you want to hear Nicole and I talk more about changes in marketing and web development over the last 20 years, you can become a member over at joincreatorcrew.com. That'll be linked over at howibuilt.it slash 258 as well. Everything you need to find will be over there. But thanks so much for listening. And until next time, get out there and build something. 